this is episode 96, the It's Showtime Apple Event Recap episode of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. I'm Brett Nolan of AppAct.net, and with me as always is Trevor Sheridan of App Advice. In this episode, Trevor and I look at the pluses and minuses of Apple's big streaming event. How are you doing tonight, Trevor? Doing good. There's nothing like an Apple event recap episode, and Apple's ready to serve us up all kinds of stuff. Yeah, lots. This was actually a really entertaining event. Maybe not the most well-presented, but still an entertaining in terms of content. Yeah, the content is definitely where it shined. And so we're going to go over the event kind of in chronological order the way Apple did it. So they kicked things off with their new news service, Apple News Plus, which is going to be $9.99 a month. And it essentially integrates magazines as the main part of that plus idea, the payment idea. But then there's also going to be connections to certain newspapers as well as certain online subscription services. But the magazines are the big thing. And there's going to be 300 magazines at launch. There's a lot of well-known ones like People and Sports Illustrated, Wired, and just really National Geographic, Vogue, main kind of ones you think of off the top of your head as magazines. So it's that whole texture acquisition that Apple made integrated now into their existing Apple News app. Right. Yeah. I mean, magazines and print media is is dying. So we've seen a number of these types of services come up where they take these big names and magazines, the stuff that people want to read and kind of try to consolidate it into a service where you're paying that a lot of them use the same $10 a month. And now you get unlimited access to this content and Apple presents it nicely. They uh, even give you a free month trial if you want to try it out. uh, And it integrates directly into the existing news app. You just need to upgrade to the latest iOS and then it's there to subscribe. When you do subscribe uh, for that free trial, one bit of warning. So I did this. I went ahead and did it. And there is no way to cancel it preemptively. So you're in. So you sign up. And now I have until the 24th of April to cancel my subscription. I can't go and cancel it now and still use it. If I cancel it immediately, it's gone. It ends right away the day I cancel it. So that's kind of a bummer that you now have to remember to go cancel it. Otherwise, it'll auto renew come April 25th and charge me another $9.99. That's definitely worth noting. I'm surprised Apple would do something like that. Yeah, yeah, it seemed kind of, usually with these things, you can cancel right away, and it'll, like, I thought I did the same thing with Apple Music. I canceled it right away, and then I had, I was good until uh, it resubscribed, and it wouldn't because I had already canceled it, but I guess maybe that changed, or maybe they didn't set it up that way with news, but it seems kind of an oversight uh, to, to protect people, especially where they're all about security. Yeah. And so Apple News, you know, it's not revolutionary. It's pretty much much exactly what we thought going in. And I guess if you want magazines, Apple's definitely one of the best choices you have in town. They've worked specifically with the big publishers to have these live tiles that are kind of the cover of the magazine that shows like a little moving video version rather than a still frame. And then all the articles are organized based on whether you're on the iPhone screen or the iPad screen. So, you know, the content might wrap, the text might wrap better on an iPad or 
embed into the images on iPad versus your phone. It's more of that scrolling list. And then it breaks magazines down into specific sections. So rather than reading a magazine from page one to the end, you can just say, oh, this article looks interesting. You read through this National Geographic article. And then you go to this next article and maybe, oh, now I'm in Sports Illustrated. I'm reading an article about the new season. And you just kind of dive through it however you want to. But Apple's made it away so you have different viewing options and choices if you want to go to that for you section you just want to read cover to cover or however you want to do it yeah it's nice you can download the entire magazine if you want for offline reading uh and then it will suggest like if you start to create like a favorites and it knows locally on your device what you've downloaded uh it'll start to make suggestions based on other stuff you read so maybe one of the examples i gave you is like there might be an article out in another magazine on a similar topic maybe this isn't a magazine you normally read but they know about this article that they can then suggest to you that maybe you want to read this article but you have no interest maybe in the rest of the magazine the one thing I did notice as they were going through, and I'll get into it more as we cover some of the other areas of the thing, they seem to really be targeting Amazon with a lot of these things. So Amazon does have a way that you can read magazines. And if you're a Prime member, you can download just certain magazines and they have a, a rolling group every month. But the one thing is only the main Prime member can read those magazines. Only they have access to this stuff where Apple made a point of saying this is a family share thing. So if you have a family group, anyone in your family group can now access this if you have a subscription. So you can have six people all sharing this one subscription for $9.99, and they all have access. They have their own magazines they can list on their devices. They have their own recommendations based on what they read. So you only have to pay once for your entire family to have access to magazines, which is, that's a great deal, especially if you have multiple readers and especially if you have varied interests, because even the Amazon one only lets you download 10 magazines at any given time, and uh, then you have to return one to download another one, where this one is kind of like all you can eat and everyone gets their own choices. And that's kind of the main distinguisher and just really the appealing part because it's $10 a month. And even if you don't have a technical like family, you could still set up a family to share this with friends, kind of like what they've done with the app store. But just to incorporate, they made it as consistent and accessible as possible across all of these things. They're all going to support family sharing. They're all easy to access. They're all going to, you know, track you anonymously to give you recommendations rather than trying to monetize you with ad spend and all that kind of thing. So that was consistent across all these different items. Yeah. And then the only other thing I've noticed in just my brief, very brief, just kind of loading it up, installing and checking it out, is I did notice that on, they say this is like the best magazine reading experience ever. And the one thing I did notice is, so I downloaded the Food Network uh, magazine, and a couple of those pages are like pre-formatted, so they had graphics in the back, so they really didn't uh, format them natively for the app. So you can tell they must have scanned in just a large picture. There's no way to pinch and zoom on the picture. So especially on the phone, it was really tough to read some of the text because you're kind of stuck to whatever the size. You can switch it to landscape mode and then it gets a little bigger and then you have to scroll up and down. But 
there's no way to like pinch in enlarge photos or zoom into the photos, which I thought was kind of odd because especially with like National Geographic or something like that, you really want to like look at these photos and really look at the detail and not giving you that whole pinch to zoom as an option seems kind of odd. To, to not even include that within the interface, but maybe that's a, a technical hurdle or maybe it's a, a legal thing where they don't want to give people that much access to the photographic material. I don't know, but it would be nice if that's something that gets added uh, down the road. And so we talked about what is included. And so the things that aren't included, Apple... So they included the LA Times and the Wall Street Journal, but it's only part of the Wall Street Journal. There's whole kind of details on that. But they didn't include the New York Times or Washington Post in terms of print media subscriptions. They did include the most popular paper in Canada, but it's really interesting. Just speaking from someone who lives in LA and reads the LA Times, it's not on the level of New York Times or Washington Post. And to get front stage billing at the uh, Apple event was kind of weird. It's kind of a minor league paper to me. And they also didn't focus on any other papers. So, I mean, you're up in the Barry. You don't talk about any papers up there, not like Sacramento Bee or the San Francisco Chronicle or something like that. It's We're just going to talk about the LA Times of all the potential states and cities that have newspapers. Right. Yeah. I mean, it seemed very limited. Like these are the these are the papers we made the deals with. So these are what you're getting, and maybe we'll add more in the future. I I don't know. It, yeah. It definitely seemed really limited as far as newspapers. I'm I gotta imagine that's gonna bulk out as they make more deals. I've heard I heard going into this event, even over the weekend, they were still trying to nail down content deals uh before this this whole event. So it's quite possible things are in the works and they're gonna add stuff going forward. Right, but then see I think the tough thing is having this ten dollar a month plan because now you can't ever increase the price. Right, right. And now the more people they add, the more magazines they add or newspapers they add, that's another thing taking a chunk of the money you're giving out to these these publishers. Right. So, yeah, so they're getting a smaller piece of the pie unless Apple is taking less of the pie just to get people in. And maybe at some point they plan to raise this down the road. But for now, they're keeping it. Like maybe if they get enough additional content, hey, we added this, this, and this, so we got to bump the price. But who knows? Yep. And so also just kind of speaking of the event as a whole within this section, the guy who introduced this, he kind of stumbled over some stuff. He was boring as white rice. You know, it was nothing <laughs> particularly personal bull about him. But one kind of hiccup that he had that stuck out was that he, at the very first introduction of the service, he says, there are 3,000 magazines. Oh, sorry, I mean 300 magazines. That's a huge distinct, distinction in perception. Because right now you say 3,000 magazines, you're like, wow. And then he corrects it. So now it's 300. So even if 300 is a lot, you already have this number of 3,000 in your head. And 300 is a very small percentage. That's 10% of what you already consider of potential magazines. Oh, right, right. I was starting to wonder, like, when he said 3,000 and, like, no one said anything, they quickly tried to correct it. I'm thinking... That is a lot less than 3,000. Like, and so you start to wonder, and then I start to think, are there even 3,000 magazines still in print right. at this point? Like, so I was starting to crunch the numbers in my head. Like, oh, that I mean, it still seems like a lot. Are you ever going to read 300 magazines? But still, 3,000 would be a lot more impressive. 
Right. So that that was just kind of an aside. But Apple News Plus, this is the one thing that Apple announced today. It's available today. You install iOS 12.2, and then you can sign up for Apple News Plus for $9.99 a month, and there's a free trial. Like Brett mentioned, though, keep in mind that you can't cancel until you're ready to actually cancel. Yep. And so that means there's the Apple card. And so... We've talked about it on the podcast before. I've just hoped that Apple started their own bank. When you have over $250 billion in cash and marketable securities, you could support your own bank. You could do that all by yourself. And so Apple introduces Apple Card, which is their own version of a credit card. And they talked about all the cool features of it. It integrates directly into Apple Pay. It's super secure. You don't need the little special codes of it. You can start using it right away as soon as you get approved. You know, there's Apple support text. It breaks down your transaction details. You can earn real daily cash back, no fees, all this kind of good stuff. And then they get to the ultimate and it's actually supported by Goldman Sachs, and it's a MasterCard. So Apple's really not doing anything except printing their name on the card. There's, they're not supporting it in any way. They don't decide the interest fees or the rates or anything like that. And then it's not even their own processing technology. It's just using what MasterCard uses. It, it seemed like so disappointing that the potential that Apple could create their own credit card that they fully finance, and then that in turn sets up savings accounts and checking accounts, and you could have a whole Apple Bank structure all starting from this card. Instead, it's just like having, you know, your favorite sports team slapped on a card. It's just Apple card. It, there's nothing really special Apple about it. No, I mean, it, well, it, the fact that it's integrated directly right into the interior Apple Pay account is nice because then you don't even have to have a physical card. But they did handle that as well because what happens if you try to go to some place which doesn't have Apple Pay? Well, they give you a physical card. So normally on every transaction you do, you get 2% back in Apple Cash. Uh, and then if it's an Apple purchase, like you're purchasing an Apple product direct from Apple or making a, a purchase from the Apple Store, that you get 3% back. If you use this physical card that is made out of titanium, I think they said, which, so it's this really nice metal card they're sending you uh, for a credit card. It has no, it just has your name engraved on it and then a chip on it, but it has no card number, no expiration date, no CVV number on there. And that you can use at places that don't accept uh, Apple Pay. The one weird thing is you then have to hand the person this card. Then you also have to show them the app in your wallet to show them the CVV number and the expiration date and stuff. So it seems a little, it would be very awkward to use this if you weren't paying via Apple Pay. But I guess at least there's a solution there because there's other companies that have tried to do this universal credit card thing that it just fails miserably. But having this, I the one the key distinguishers for me were I never have credit card debt. We pay off our credit card bills every month. But it seems like they're going out of their way to try to help people that are hor- like horrible credit cards and get into all kinds of debt by removing these fees. There's no late fees, no international fees, there's uh, no setup fees, and they're forgiving if you don't pay right away. They have ways to try to help people figure out what their best payment is so that they're paying this off and not uh, getting hit by huge uh, interest fees. They never really quite said what the interest fees were going to be, 
but uh, they said that the rates are going to be calculated in real time, and so you'll see what your options are. So I don't I don't know how they can really go super low with interest rates. They still have to try they to can't. cover themselves. If you look on their terms and conditions, it says variable rate from thirteen point two percent to twenty four percent. It's the standard card. Okay, so it's the standard rate. I don't know why yeah. they said low or anything. I mean, that's just a straight up lie. Right. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's odd that they that they went ahead with that. But uh, the it was interesting how it just directly there was no waiting. You immediately got your card. You can immediately start using it and start going with the because I use Apple Pay whenever I can now. And the fact that it like is always using a unique number and you have less of a chance of your credit card getting stolen. This is why I tend to use it all the time. But yeah, I don't know. I, I I can see the appeal of it. I and that those percentage back and cash back is pretty nice, especially where it's direct cash. That's better than you get with a number of uh, cards that are out there. So I don't know. It's an appealing option for someone looking for a credit card. I don't know because when I sign up for cards, you get the cash back bonus. You know, they match it. You get $500 if you spend 3000 the first few months. You get 0% interest for 18 months. You know, they have those initial offers. This seems like a total status symbol card that has no real world value because Capital One beats their daily cash back rates, whatever. That's tr- totally fine. They don't have revolving categories, and it's just pure, simple cash back. I like that Apple has support text. I really like that it shows your transactions where it's not just some weird gobbledygook and it's actually, oh, I spent 12 bucks at Staples or I got my Starbucks and it cost this amount rather than just like some weird things. And then it shows you your due date and your current balance and it's all updated in real time. But on the flip side, if I get a card and I get all these great features and then I integrate it into Apple Pay, I don't bring that I don't need the card. It's in Apple Pay. I don't see the super benefit. It's like they could have done something different. They could have like disrupted the credit card industry and instead they gave a status symbol for people who have the iPhone and the MacBook and the iPad and the Apple Watch. Just another thing for them to slap Apple onto. You mean you don't want that titanium card? That looks I don't. Pretty awesome. I, I don't really care. I don't need to flex my <laughs> Apple card out. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't I already have a, a two credit cards that I really don't need more credit cards, but I don't know. For someone who like as a first credit card, I see the simplicity of this being nice. We'll, uh, we'll see the approval rates on this. They're not going to approve yeah, everybody. You, well, they, that's yeah, that's the other thing. I, they make it sound like you're getting approved right away, you're able to use it right away. Yeah, there's got to be. If you have bad credit history, you're not getting approved for this. Yeah, Goldman like, Sachs I, isn't taking that risk on you. Have like some 200 credit score or something, and you would never pay your debts off. Yeah, so I I'm curious to see how this works in the real world. I mean, it's not coming until the summertime, uh, but I'm curious to see uh, how this goes over. Yep. So if you do need an Apple credit card, you know, as an alternative, you could get one of those credit cards where you can use a custom image and then you just grab that white card that says Apple card (laughs) on the left and just use it as a custom image and boom, it's not titanium. But who's really going to (laughs) know? The the person at the register will be like, this doesn't feel like titanium. Is this a real card? (laughs) Oh, Apple card. So Apple has their own credit card. You can sign up coming this summer. We'll see how restrictive it is then. I don't think they're going to have any special sign-up offers to entice people to do it, but you get that initial 13 to 24% variable interest rate is enticing. <laughs> nice. <laughs> 
Oh, Goldman Sachs. This is the first credit card Goldman Sachs is doing. It just seems when you mention Goldman Sachs, it's like super fancy. You know, they don't do consumer credit cards for a reason. And they're like, oh, we'll do it with Apple because Apple, you know, people who use Apple products, they love paying that Apple tax. So why wouldn't they care about all the fees we charge on an Apple credit card? Well, it is nice if we get 3% back from Apple. Like, that's better than Ebates. Ebates, you only get 1%. On the flip side, you could just buy it from B&H or Adorama and not pay sales tax, at least for me. And that beats any kind of 3% cash back on Apple.com purchases. That is true. Or in Target, <laughs> you also get 5%. But yeah. in most Apple stuff, you get the red card discount. And if you buy it in New Hampshire, for me, that's no sales tax. Yep. So yeah, Apple Card sure sounds appealing to us, but <laughs> to each their own. Uh, next up is Apple Arcade, which, spoiler alert, this was my favorite part of the event. Like, you guys know, if you listen, that we like talking about iOS games, and especially focus on ones that highlight themselves by storytelling, depth, design quality, all that good stuff. You know, we probably trend more towards paid games than free-to-play games, depending on the mechanics, but in the, like, kind of broad sense. And so to design this, it seems like they kind of designed it with us in mind to create an iOS gaming subscription service where you pay one monthly fee and you have access to a set of games. They said at launch they're going to have 100 plus titles. They're working specifically with developers. They're not just grabbing existing titles and packaging them together. They're all going to be brand new, made for this program, and they're going to highlight offline play, iCloud sync across devices, and you can play as much as you want, as often as you want, with any future updates that are included, no ads, no in-app purchases. All the games are designed specifically for this program, and they're even going to work some exclusivity into it to have these games in their program and not on other kind of competing services. Yeah, so one of the wording on this was very exact. So what they said was it's going to be the first gaming service for mobile desktop and living room, meaning it'll work on all your devices. And it said that all these titles will be exclusive games, meaning they will not be on any other mobile platform, which means no Android for these titles or subscription service. So some of these titles we've seen, they are on Steam. Or maybe they might be on like an Xbox or a PlayStation. We don't have the full list yet. But they're clear that it's not going to be on any other streaming service or any other subscription service. So that means you won't have it on Xbox's Game Pass or you won't have it. The title won't be available on PlayStation's subscription service. So the any title that appears in this thing is going to be exclusive to this as far as a subscription service. And so, I mean, that means that if there's titles that are out there, uh, like even if they decide to like go back and include legacy titles in here, like here, let's bulk up the catalog by here a whole bunch of existing games are really popular, really nice. We've stripped out the in-app purchase stuff and now it, it's here. They can't do it if it's out on Android as well or part of some other subscription service. So, I mean, that's kind of a bummer because I can see like... I love uh, digital board games and those unless they really make this lucrative enough for the developers. And I don't know how this whole split comes down, but 
I can foresee like almost no digital board games because they're really going to want to have cross-platform play and allow people on Android to play as well. And as soon as they do that, I mean, it's out. It can't be on this service. So I'm curious to see how they stick to this going forward, or maybe the wording is such that the launch titles are exclusive, and maybe they kind of eke out on that later. I, I don't know, but uh, I'm curious to see how well this does. I am super excited for this, because the titles they've shown so far look phenomenally good. Right, that's going to be the kind of selling point is the content content is king and just the early ones they showed you know what they're planning for of this service these are amazing titles you have Oceanhorn 2 coming and it looks amazing Oceanhorn 1 was like game of the year whatever year it came out and they've redesigned it into this whole 3d action adventure idea and then you have where cards fall which is coming from the makers of Alto's Odyssey and it's this whole kind of story narrative like path choosing ideas of just like day-to-day grind just really beautiful game the pathless looks absolutely beautiful with this whole kind of like archer mythic adventure idea and then you have a few lego games come in and they're redoing uh steel sky the old point and click adventure game with this new 3d experience that looks absolutely expansive and you just dive through this list you have games from illusion labs and the makers of monument valley and you have Samoga working on games. You got a new Frogger coming. You have a Sonic that's not, you know, a free-to-play game. You have an Illusion Labs <laughs> title. There's just some yeah, really good-looking stuff. Yeah, Cleave, that hot lava game looks fantastic. Uh, it's like a the floor is lava type game, but it yeah. like the quality of it looks amazing. I don't know. It just, it's like you start to scrolling through this list, and these are all the best developers out there that they have on this initial listing of, of, partners to go with them and just the quality of these games looks absolutely amazing. It really does. And that's why it's interesting that they left us with so many questions. Like, I understand it's going to be really interesting how they balance this out in terms of pricing and all that, but just the idea, the promise of it. So free-to-play games have taken over the App Store. That's point in, it's, it's simple and clear. And not only that, but it's super popular brand recognition or huge ad spends to get those top spots. Those few companies are making the majority of the profits of the App Store. Paid games are an afterthought. And so I understand Apple's making this for consumers, but it also is helping these third-party developers who make paid games and they don't get that much attention, especially because, you know, they're creating these stories and they're game designers or storytellers or coders, all these things. They're not, you know, experienced in business acumen. You know, they're not marketing specialists. You have to hire additional people to do that. That cuts into profits. So now Apple does that. Apple has the whole marketing thing for this program. Apple's going to do all the business of pricing it. You know, I'm going to make this great game. I don't have to worry. Am I going to nickel and dime people with in-app purchases? Am I going to do the free trial and unlock the full game? Am I going to add level packs and future updates? I don't have to worry about any of that. I can just make the game. And then that whole exclusive idea, you know, you're specifically making games with iOS in mind, with the latest hardware and all the advancements Apple's doing there touch base controls, just that whole kind of thinking. It changes 
the development perspective, and then that's going to end up helping the consumers with these great games. That's why the titles, I think, look so good. Well, also, because Mac is one of the supported ones, you know that it's going to have to support a game controller as well. So even if you don't like physical controls, uh, if you don't like touch controls, you know there's got to be a a physical controller option as well. And so I'm curious, the reason why... I'm guessing the reason why we haven't seen a price for this yet is almost is kind of twofold. First, they're probably still kind of figuring out where they're going to price this. The other thing is we don't know about Android. They just announced the the or Google just announced a whole streaming service. They never announced a price. So why should Apple come out and announce this price and be stuck to a price uh, before Google comes out and announces what their streaming service is going to cost? Plus, I mean, well, we can look at other other gaming services that are out there to try to get a, a guide as to what this is. So Xbox Game Pass is $10 a month, and the, as of January, they had 267 games. PlayStation has over 750 games in their, in their subscription service, and that you can pay $20 a month, or you can pay $100 a year, which averages out to about $8.33 a month. So... I'm guessing this is going to be priced around the $10 a month, but granted, we have no no idea yet. Apple just announced the new service at $10 a month. The Apple Music is currently, I believe, $10 a month, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Or is it $14 if you want a family? Or $15 if you want a family? Yeah, but I think the, that's what the it costs. individual is just $10, yeah. Right. But my guess is Apple Music is probably going to drop to 10 for a family. And I think this, they've already said, it's going to be family share for these games. And you'll be able to control them uh, to limit what the kids can play through the, the stream, um, whatever the time thing is. i blanking at the moment. But I'm guessing if this is $10 a month, news is $10 a month, music is $10 a month, to keeping at that same price level, maybe even a bundle thing in the future that'll kind of reduce the prices even more. But I think $10 a month is hopefully where it's going to fall. I don't think it would be any cheaper. It could be more expensive than that. Yeah, I'm worried that it's more expensive. Like, because if you think that these games, they're probably $299, $499 titles if they were released by themselves without worrying about anything else, just based on the history of these developers. So some might be $699, but still 100 games, and then we don't know how often are they going to cycle in new games. Are they going to go to that back catalog? Like, say you incorporate Monument Valley 2 or something, you know, just like a big popular paid game from the past, and then... If you're working with these like top tier developers and they have games ready for the fall for when this launches, when are the next set of games going to be available? Are they going to stagger them purposely? Because they still want to keep that 100 plus tier. And then do they cycle out old games? Like say you go, I'm not interested in these 50 just because they're not my game interest. So that cuts you down to 50. Then you start playing through them. And once you've played everything, how often are they going to come in? Are they going to come in as quick as Netflix originals? Or are they going to come in as quick as Apple TV Plus originals? So it depends how quick that stream is. Because right now when you have games coming from the makers of Monument Valley and Alto's Adventure and Don't Starve and Oceanhorn, Device 6, Touch Grind, Agent A, I Am Bread, Black, Banner Saga, Sonic, Frogger, Lego, 
you know, you're going to have this whole pedigree and high expectation, but then they've made a game for this service. So it's going to take them a while to create their next game for this service. And what's going to be there in the, the processing time? Right. You hope that Apple has like a pipeline lined up of more titles to be regularly introducing additional titles. And hopefully they won't roll things off the service too often, but keep on adding to it to make it that much more appealing. The, even say these are 699 titles, every single one. That's a hundred of them. That's $699. They said that if you were to buy every one of those magazines in their $10 magazine subscription, that was $8,000 worth of magazines. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that seems like a fair trade. But, yeah, like, what happens after this initial push? I can't imagine they're going to... Did they say they were going to have all 100 at launch, or there would be access... To it, they said there will be games. over a hundred games. They didn't say these are the hundred. There will be over a hundred at launch. So there okay. could be games that aren't of this quality or some other stuff that they haven't discussed yet. Right. Yeah. And so I'm hoping that it's like maybe at least additional twenty every quarter. Like, just have, like, a constant pumping of new, more additional titles. I mean, hopefully it'll take you a while to play through a number of these. Like, these look like quality, longer experiences. Oh, yeah, these look like 10, 12-hour adventures if you're going to play through the whole thing. Because they're not that, oh, here's an endless runner. You can play as much as you want. You know, these are level-based, story-based, there's a conclusion kind of thing. Right. I mean, they're going to want to have this type of content on there because if you just binge through all this stuff in like all hundred games in like three months, you're going to cancel your subscription. So they obviously want to have a reason for you to keep on coming back. So it it makes sense for them to keep on adding content to it. And I I haven't looked into how often uh, like Microsoft is adding stuff to game pass. I I should look that up and just see roughly how many a month they're adding, but it'd be curious to see if they can keep like a rate similar to those other services. Because I know those are popular. And well, Game Pass is interesting because it, it's a real emphasis on back catalog. You know, this is true, true, yeah. Making games specifically for this program because also that goes into the whole idea say it doesn't launch that well, and I'm giving you $10 and there's a hundred different developers involved in this program, it splits it based on your attention time and what you've played. But that's quite a small split. Are the developers, once we get to that second wave, even going to want to participate in this program anymore? Well, how many devices are out there? How many people are are subscribing to this? If you have a million people subscribing, that's $10 million coming in. How much are they, they splitting amongst the, how much, what percentage do the developers get of that $10 million? Yeah, because then we don't know Apple's cut on this either. Because supposedly right, it was reported right. it was 50% on news. I want Because, again, the games idea, they're handling all the pricing and marketing. So, essentially, you create the game and it cuts out extra people you're potentially hiring. Right, right, yep. Yeah, this should really be interesting how it unfolds. But the promise of it is the best that Apple announced at this event. Yeah, oh yeah, this was my favorite announcement at this event. Like, this got me super excited. I can't wait till the fall to see how much this is, and I'm going to be subscribing because there's so much good-looking content there. 
And then you can, I love the iCloud Sync where they're focusing all these games you can play offline because we know that free-to-play idea, they always need that internet connection for that constant updates and processing. So you can play offline, but then when you do connect internet, you can sync it up. So I played on the plane on my phone. I got back home. I have my Apple TV. I'm going to fire it up on there. I'm going to play on my iPad to get that big 13-inch screen from that game. And iCloud Sync is one of the best features of the App Store but it's so inconsistent from game to game. So to make it so every single game in the subscription service has it, you expect it, and it becomes consistent, and it's a great feature. Well, and the fact they don't have to support other platforms, they can make sure it's tied directly in, because all they care about are Apple's platforms. But, I mean, this was obviously a direct attack against Google's streaming service, where you have to have an internet connection to play any of the games. This was obviously going right after them, saying all of our content can be played offline. Yep. And we do know that games are the most popular part of the App Store, so it's great that Apple's given them attention. Again, it goes back to helping consumers and developers go away from what the market has become since Apple introduced in-app purchases in 2009. Yep. So, fall 2019, we should have more about Apple Arcade. Again, pricing details are to come. And then Apple rounded out the show with Apple TV, and... Luckily, to make it as simple as possible, Apple introduced three different versions of Apple TV stuff, and they're all different than the actual Apple TV set-top box. So we start out, Apple's updating the existing TV app. So the Apple TV app is going to get updated with new support to have kind of that better version of that all-in-one TV guide that they've kind of been striving for and promising. So the idea is that you can access... Hulu and Amazon Video Prime, your iTunes purchases and rentals, plus your sports programming, and then also the they're going to include the ability to access your cable set-top box. They're only working with three at the moment. It's Spectrum, DirecTV, and I don't know what the third Optimum one is. Optimum or something. Okay. Optimum, I think yeah. it was. And so then they also will include... These new so then their next program that kind of ties into the update is Apple TV channels. And so these are just like the Amazon Prime video channels where you can subscribe to HBO right within the Apple TV app for they didn't give us the price, but I think rumors are pegging it at ten dollars a month. And then they also have Showtime and Stars and CBS All Access and quite a few others, but they're all standalone channels within the Apple TV app. And so these Apple TV channels play right within the Apple TV app. And so before we got on for the past few weeks, we've been hoping for this all-in-one you know, TV offering where I don't have to go to 10 different apps to watch stuff. I don't have to deal with different menus and UIs and subscription plans and all that stuff. It's all in one. And so Apple is striving to that point. On stage, they try to say, We're get, we got there, but then you read the details coming out from other sources, you read the fine print, and it turns out that Apple kind of is a half measure. You know, they took a half step there where the Apple TV channels are included and you don't have to go over to the HBO Go app to watch Game of Thrones. But on the flip side, if you want to watch Hulu, it goes out to the Hulu app. So only the channels keep you within the Apple TV app. If you have just the other services that you can view programming, you can't actually watch it. 
Right. Yeah. So it's it's convoluted. They're basically going <laughs> right after. They're basically becoming another Amazon Prime because what they're doing is offering you to be able to subscribe to like HBO, Showtime, and Cinemax, but you have to do it through them. So you're paying all through your one single Apple account, and you're paying for those services through them. You're not going in with your Go subscription, signing in and accessing that content all within. You have to actually, like you do with Amazon Prime, have to pay for that content directly through them in order to access it in that unified state. At least that's what it seems like it actually is. They didn't make that super clear, but that seems like what it is. And if you look at Amazon's prices on these things, like, they may have a big point of like only subscribe to the channels you want, but it ends up being a heck of a lot more than a cable package. If you start adding in all these channels like HBO on. So for Amazon prices, they were charging $14.99 a month to add that channel. Showtime is $10.99. Cinemax is 10. Stars is nine. And then PBS Living is three. These are all channels that. Apple put up there as ones that are going to have on their service as well. They basically have the same ones Amazon has. Nothing different. It just seems like they're trying to get on parity with Amazon, but selling it like it's this much cooler thing than it is, and the, not really giving the details that you need to uh, basically subscribe to them in order to use it in the way that we were really hoping that any subscription would work. Like, I wish you, if you have a way to access the app version of the thing on the Apple TV device, then you should be able to access that content within the Apple TV app just by using the the it would like log in once with your provider that you use and then you can access this content but it's only with the ones that they partner with and for these specific apple tv channels the ones that you've subscribed through them for yeah i'm watching the broadcast and the tv app sounds super cool i'm like oh this is what we wanted and then you find these details it's like oh it's not actually this and it's not actually this and it's not actually that and so it takes it down all these different tiers I just wanted a service where I could seamlessly go and watch the Laker game from my, you know, cable spectrum broadcast and then switch over to Handmaid's Tale on Hulu and then jump and watch The Good Place on Netflix and never leave the Apple TV app. Never once. Instead, Netflix is completely absent from the service. I have no idea why Netflix wouldn't want to be part of the service since you're bouncing out to another app anyway. Like, I understand maybe there's some weird algorithm things that they couldn't track you within the Apple TV app or whatever, but to not even have, oh, I can't even see that my next episode is in the Apple TV app, that's super weird. That's a whole Netflix, Amazon war or Apple war I don't need to focus on. But that pipe dream of what it could be it doesn't reach there, and it's so bad that we're left wanting it, and you'd see that the potential and promise is there, and Apple can't pull it off. So the one big promising thing I will say that came out of the Apple TV, we're not even into the, the next section, <laughs> is that this app is going to be coming to smart TVs. We already knew Apple was partnering with some smart TVs, but it's coming to Roku and Amazon Fire. So you'll be able to watch, I assume, your iTunes content directly on these on your Roku. So you build it like my TVs, two of my TVs have Roku as their operating system. So I'll be able to install this Apple TV app and access stuff that I have purchased on iTunes or I got with codes that I redeemed uh, with 
with discs that redeemed iTunes, now I'll actually be able to watch this and not only be able to watch it on the one TV I have my Apple TV hooked up to, which that's nice that finally they're, they're getting to add this app. I know why they're adding it. It's the next thing we're going to talk about. They have no, they don't really care about this, except maybe it would spur sales of you buying more stuff through iTunes if you can consume it on any TV without having to purchase an Apple TV box. But then it begs the question is, what do you even need the Apple TV box for anymore? Except for maybe the Apple Arcade that we just talked about, or if you need to airplay some like vi- videos from your phone to the to well, your TV. Airplay 2 is coming out. I mean, that's not really at the event, but as part of iOS 12.2, they have Airplay 2, which is going to be compatible with like Panasonic TVs and stuff. Right, but that's only still a certain subset of TVs. So if you don't have a Panasonic TV, you right. still need the box if you wanted to do it. But that box is becoming less and less needed if they're really allowing you to play any of your iTunes content from, except maybe for music, but any of your iTunes content directly from this app. Then that, that and like HomeKit is for all intents and purposes dead like they're not doing anything with that so you don't need it as a home kit hub so it's really becoming less and less of even a necessity to have this stupid box yeah apple they need to go and make like a 30 dollar, you know fire tv stick version of the apple tv Right. Yeah, there's something you can just plug into one of your little ports and then then you can airplay to the to the box. Right. To your that hundred and fifty dollar box or hundred and eighty dollar box or whatever. That I don't even know how they can sell that with a straight face at this point. No, especially where they're just making it less and less useful. Uh, it's almost back to the to the point of being the original box it was, where it's an airplay device and that's about it. Yep. And so that's the Apple TV app and the Apple TV channels. And they're promising Apple couldn't quite pull it off. The omission of Netflix is is a super gigantic thing. But I understand that because now they're directly competing with Netflix in Apple TV Plus. So this is that long rumored subscription service of Apple original programming. And so they're not directly competing with Hulu when it comes to current TV shows from network TV. They're not competing directly with Netflix and Amazon when it comes to back catalog. You know, you can watch The Office or Parks and Rec or you can watch Sopranos and stuff like that. They're not doing that competition. Instead, they're only offering their original programming as part of Apple TV+. And they have quite a catalog of original programming in terms of star power, but it's not huge. You know, it's like we made a, a handful of great shows and we're playing catch up with companies that have hundreds of great shows, maybe even thousands of great shows at this point. So that's a really interesting dichotomy of Apple's perspective going forward. But on the flip side, if you have good content, people will sign up for it regardless of anything else. And so that's where Apple's kind of putting all their attention. So they brought out Steven Spielberg to talk about amazing stories, which is kind of going to be like these standalone stories, you know, like an anthology series of weird kind of sci-fi peculiar things. Then you have Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston starring in the morning show. Steve Carell is going to be in it too. It's kind of like a newsroom, but a morning show rather than an evening news program. 
And then you have Jason Momoa is going to be in this like futuristic show where everyone in the population has been blind for centuries. And so it's a whole different way to view the world. Then you have Little America with everyday kind of immigration stories. And then you even had uh, the preschool program with Cody, a Sesame Street inspired (laughs) character or part of the Sesame Street universe with Big Bird helping out of just showing like coding to preschoolers. Yeah, I, and then the then you still had J.J. Abrams and Sarah oh, yeah, Bareilles. So I, I yeah. never even heard of her, but apparently it looks like basically Felicity with a singer, and uh, then you had Oprah come as a big surprise at the end. And then doing big Oprah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like documentaries and uh, and a book club thing where she's going to live stream conversations between her and the author. Uh, but yeah, so they, I don't know, this was a weird setup for this and it seemed kind of unprepared, like not all that well. Um, but I love the original amazing stories. I watched that as a kid, so I can't wait. I, I, I'm really excited about that one to see that come back, but I don't know. It was almost like an upfront without the trailers. Like they're describing these shows to you. Are they even made at this point? Like they couldn't show you some footage to kind of really get you excited about it. Like, I don't know. It was very weird that they just were out on stage describing these various new shows, but not showing you anything. And they didn't give you a price. They just talked about it. It it definitely like Netflix. You talked about Netflix. I just saw something uh, the other day that said Netflix has now reached the point where they have more original content than they have back catalog content. Uh, So like even Netflix is starting to push even more original content, make it even that much tougher for Apple to catch up. So what is this streaming service going to cost? Like you're only getting original content. If you want old content, it's going to be through iTunes rentals or iTunes purchases or one of these other subscription services. You got to subscribe to something else. So they're, they're almost more of an Amazon uh, competitor than like a Netflix competitor at this point. Uh, well, no, but, Amazon focuses a lot on old content that they've acquired from NBC and Right, so they have some as part of the Prime service, but uh, they do have probably about as much original content as maybe Apple has. Like, they don't have a ton of original content. They're adding more and more. Amazon is probably number two in original content. Do you think they have that much? Yeah. I don't know. I don't watch a lot of Amazon. Who has, like, maybe a dozen, two dozen shows? Amazon has over a hundred original shows. They have that many original shows. I didn't think yeah. they were up to that much. Oh, yeah, wow. they okay. have a bunch. But it, I mean, it just it it seems like they came out and they had this whole big giant presentation, but didn't have a lot to show. To uh, yeah, they brought out stars, but they didn't show you anything. They didn't tell you like how much this is gonna cost. They just said it's coming in the fall. They didn't tell you exactly how many shows. They only had about six or eight shows that they talked about and that was pretty much it i mean they're going just on their star power to try to push this thing but they and talking about like really interesting stories like but not giving us a good deal of content to get you excited about what's what's coming 
Right, Apple Arcade. Think of all just the little clips they pieced together and screenshots and trailers. You know, there was stuff that's coming this fall and they're games where games take forever to fully flesh out shows you think you'd have a clip say it's a 12 episode run don't you have some clips from the pilot episode this seemed like a boardroom meeting of like a pitch idea okay now go make this show we weren't going to decide if you guys are going to make the show i don't know why they pitched it like that yeah i yeah it was very odd it was like they were pitching the shows to the audience rather than actually showing them anything like I don't, and they just had their little, that one like inspiring movie at the beginning with, that was all in black and white where they had all the people talking about how creative minds and all this stuff. But that was a good video. uh, I liked that video. (laughs) <laughs> that, that was good, but they didn't show. And then I thought for sure when they start bringing people out, you were going to get to see some of these stories and see what they were about. But you barely saw anything like they didn't really show you anything about the shows. Like, obviously, they have footage somewhere that they've already started. If this stuff is airing in the fall and they didn't also say, like, if it's if it's the type of thing they didn't say it would be ad free, but they didn't say like if it's going to be we're going to drop all the episodes at once type of deal or we're going to like release them weekly. I almost think with the limited amount of content they have, they yeah. almost have to release it on a weekly basis I'm afraid rather than too. dumping it all at once. Yeah, it seems like right now it compares more to CBS All Access, which is five ninety nine a month, and they just have you know pretty much Star Trek Discovery, Twilight Zones come in. They have just a handful of shows. I feel like it's going to compete with that, and CBS is still maintaining that week by week release schedule. But Apple isn't CBS, you know. They don't have that broadcast history, and so I don't know if you rely on that structure. But then on the flip side, you can't. Oh, here, look, Netflix is launching like. 10 shows this week we have 10 shows total to ever launch until we start making more so that that's a really tough sell and the price point is so key but obviously these stars weren't cheap to acquire these shows cost some money and so i understand why they're using them to drive it but on the flip side content is king and people like to see it if you're making visual storytelling you want to see some visuals to it Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Well, well my guess is it's going to be 10 bucks a month. Everything's going to be 10 bucks a month. And then know. they're going to have some kind of bundle to have a discount. Like if you subscribe to all of these various services, because this also mentioned the, that you'll have the family sharing with this stuff. So that's why I got to imagine Apple Music come the fall is all of a sudden going to drop to $10 a month and include family sharing. And you're going to have all of this stuff as some big entertainment bundle. That's going to be the big focus of the new devices is going to be entertainment consumption. And it's going to be this stuff as a big bundle or pick and choose two of the services or multiple of the services and get a slight discount or bundle them somehow. And I think that's where they're going to have to go to make it like a whole, this is your media consumption destination, subscribe to us. I feel like the games could be 12 to 15, and I feel like the TV should be 6 to 8. I understand balancing it 10 bucks each is easy, but if they wanted to do 10 bucks each, they would have announced it today, and that they didn't say $10, I feel like it's going to be some weird bickering that they can't finalize it out and that's going to lead to not being ten dollars right i can't imagine this is going to be six to eight i think it's going to be higher just because of the stars and the amount of money they probably sunk into this 
that they, they have need so to much recoup money, it. though. I don't think they even care about recouping it because they're offering all these services to essentially sell iPhones and iPads. You can argue, oh, it's coming to new devices and all that, but honestly. Apple makes services to sell their devices. They make software to sell their devices. They're a hardware company, first and foremost, always and forever. And that's why there's such a premium on iPhones and iPads and Macs and all that stuff. They need to sell them. And so if you're like, oh, look, I can get Apple TV Plus and this cool Apple Arcade, and I bought them all with my Apple card, that's just services to sell <laughs> the devices. <laughs> it took me a second to realize what you meant with the Apple card. Awesome. That was a good callback. Um yeah, no, I mean, one of the things, when they did announce the Apple TV stuff and the Apple TV app coming to other platforms, they specifically did not mention Windows and Android. So they obviously are trying to keep people in the Apple infrastructure by doing this. I mean, it's it's smart to include the iTunes purchases in that Apple TV app. I'm curious to see how much this costs, or maybe this is just the starting point. And yes, they have this original content, but this takes a lot longer to roll out the new games because they can go out to other for the games to start getting other developers going and and move them in. TV shows take a long time to produce, to greenlight, to like get them going. I it just to me, yeah, to approve every part of it, like a game. You're reaching out to people who already make games for you. For TV, you're starting from the baseline of scratch. We've never made a game. We've never worked with any other studio. So we're starting completely from the bottom. We can't be like, oh, go talk to Gameloft. They'll make a game for us since they've been making games for us for 10 years. It's a whole different concept. Right. And so I think ramping this up is going to, unless they have a whole pipeline they haven't even announced yet, which I can't imagine they have that big of a pipeline yet. No. This is going to take a while to really keep on introducing new content. So I don't know. Like once it has to be weekly to keep you paying, and then but then again, it, there has to be enough content there to want you to keep on paying. So I, I don't know. Yeah, it would be. I I'd be much more tempted to even try it out if. It were a lower price point. I don't know at ten bucks a month that I there's really a lot that was introduced there, enough that was introduced there for me to want to pay that. Yeah, like I want to watch these shows. I want to watch Amazing Stories and Morning Show and see, and I want to watch them. But say I do watch them in the first month, then what? <laughs> right, right. I like. I'd almost be. I'd almost rather, if it's weekly, I'd almost rather wait until all these shows run their first season, then sign up, and then binge yeah. them. Yep. That's kind of what I do with HBO. I wait till Game of Thrones and Westworld are complete, and then I jump in, I watch it, and that was my month of HBO. See, Netflix, it's a recurring cost because there's so much that's coming. Even Hulu, we got that discount at 99 cents a month. It's worth it just because there's that whole network TV possible connection there's nothing else to watch say you've watched you know the seven items that they talked about and that's all they have you watched all seven and oh in a couple months we got new programming or whatever we're going to treat it like a weekly basis kind of idea to drag these things out that's not very appealing for the consumer no no it's this is much more apt to being canceled and renewed than than a Netflix because there is all of that not only just they drop the entire seasons but you have a whole ton of back catalog stuff to watch yeah so Apple TV Plus is a big question mark and honestly this was 
going in, we we're like, oh, we don't know what the pricing they're going to do this. We don't know when they're going to launch it. We don't know what all they're going to have. They didn't really answer anything at all. I think they left us with the same exact questions that we had. The only thing they filled in was a few kind of like enticing morsels to save us until the fall, I guess. Right. And at least they showed us the awesome gaming service. And if you want to see some of the amazing games that they have, they have them all on the Apple.com. There's a whole awesome scrolling page with just tons of graphics and titles. And you can see all the developers. That's more interesting than watching the Apple TV Plus content at this point. I'm just watching that scrolling screen, drooling, waiting for this stuff to come. And so that's a good kind of roundup of Apple's It's Showtime event. The actual process event itself, the presenters, all that, I think it just is another one in the books of Apple doesn't have presenters in their staff, you know, their leadership positions. They bring, you know, these VPs of whatever and all these kind of product development people, but they're not presenters. They don't have anyone to put on a show to sell anything. I think that's one of the reasons they brought out a bunch of celebrities, but they were pretty wooden and not personable also the whole event for me kind of felt flat it was a boring event the content sells itself it's enticing interesting promising because we're apple fans we understand the future the potential the competition but them conveying it to us definitely fell flat oh yeah i mean i think these past like five or six presentations they never seem to have people that are really like born presenters like they they because they're pulling the people from those teams and they're putting them on stage and some of them are more comfortable than others. You could tell that they practice, but they're just not natural presenters. And yeah, probably the best like presented part were definitely the celebrities that were out there that actually knew what they were doing and are used to this kind of thing. But I, I don't know. It's at least we didn't have, uh, what was that one dude that's always horrendous, uh, from the Apple squad. Uh, I can't even think of what his name is. Um, the Kevin Lynch guy? Oh, no, Eddie Q? Eddie yeah. Q, yes. I thought he, he was going to be there because he's like that iTunes guy. Yeah, so at least we didn't have to deal with him. Uh, so the, it was a good, good just from that aspect. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. They need to really work on the presentation. It just doesn't have the magic of the old shows. But at least this time the content was there to help push the thing. But you're right. Like, it's been lacking. Yep. And so I think that's it for everything in episode 96. Again, Apple News Plus is available today. Apple Card this summer. Apple Arcade and Apple TV Plus are coming in the fall. And then the Apple TV app is actually going to be updated in May. But like we said, it's not that big of an update. Yep. And so, Brett, thanks for joining me. Oh, yeah. Pleasure. To everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.